How do you let go of attachment to things? Don't even try. It's impossible. Attachment to things drops away by itself when you no longer seek to find yourself in them. How did you react to that quote? It may resonate with some, but it made me feel uncomfortable. Spirituality has always been difficult for me to grasp because my logical brain kicks into turbo drive and overanalyzes every word. But as they say, growth is found in discomfort. So today we will be diving into Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth to break down our egos, awaken our consciousness, and find love. Welcome to Self-Help Junkie, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Erica Ng, a communication coach and your resident bookworm. As a hopeless romantic in her 30s, I've had my fair share of heartbreaking disappointment. And in those moments, I found myself searching for answers on how to find and keep love. I stumbled upon the world of self-help books and read everything I could get my hands on about relationships, love, and connection. Looking back, I probably read more books about love than I'd like to admit. So that's why I'm dedicating our first season to books on romantic love. I'll be sharing my journey and the stories of others who found love and happiness through books. Let's see if we can crack the code and find the secrets of a successful relationship. Before we dive into the conversation with our guest, let's do a one-minute summary of the book. A New Earth is a spiritual guidebook written by Eckhart Tolle. The goal is to achieve inner peace and happiness through awakening your consciousness. How, you ask? First off, you need to know who you are. You are not your thoughts. That's your ego. You're not a parent, sister, brother, child, salesman, makeup enthusiast, Democrat. Those are roles and labels. You are awareness. You are the watcher. Tall argues that people's attachment to their ego-driven thoughts and beliefs is the root cause of suffering and conflict, and that true happiness can only be found by living in the present moment and letting go of the ego. What's stopping you from true happiness? The pain body a psychological construct created by negative emotions and past traumas that take hold of a person's mind and influences their behavior. Toll suggests that through mindfulness and awareness, people can identify and transcend the pain body, leading to greater self-awareness and a more positive outlook on life. And with that, let's get to our guest. Today, we have Brett Bailey. He's a men's coach who helps men foster a healthy relationship with their emotions and empowers them to live a more fulfilling life. As a communication coach specialized in working with women, I'm really interested to see what insights we can share and compare and contrast our perspectives on how we can become better partners. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. How did you get into men's coaching? Well, like the vast majority, if not all coaches, it starts out usually in pain, a problem that we want to solve or something that we're going through. And for me, it was in large part my relationship with my father. He was mm. relatively physically absent from six to 19 years old for me. And um, he's not a bad man by any means. He's incredible. But that still at the same time had an effect and it has an effect on a boy when his father's not around. And I think that laid the that pain laid the groundwork for the work I do now, which is the gift and one of the reasons I'm extremely grateful for him. So it was basically that. And then I always had this desire to help, to coach, to help people right. transform. I love the process of growth myself. And it was just a no-brainer for me to work with men. And so this has been a process now. I've been on the journey for probably six, nearing seven years, but I've only been coaching for about three. Yeah. 
I, I so identify with that story that you had there. I think all of us have relationships with our parents that aren't ideal and you can either take that pain with you and let it identify who you are or you can work through it and yeah it's a painful process but it is so rewarding on the other end i i agree and i i love the carl jung quote that all children are tasked with he didn't say burden but that's how i view it all tasked with the burden of finishing their parents unfinished business mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah so I wanted to start off with talking about some early romantic relationships. I'm curious because from a female's perspective, I have an idea about what I idealized for the future, like in terms of mm-hmm. romantic relationships. So I wonder if it occupied as much space in your mind in terms of, yeah, just did you think about ideal relationships growing up? <laughs> So um, a lot of listeners are probably going to hate me for saying this, but um, I've never had trouble with that, with being anxious about being in a relationship or attracting a partner. Mm-hmm. And not because I think I'm so great and I'm just going to attract anyone I, I want. It's not like that. It's just for right. me, I think I'm a romantic at heart and I yeah. always just had this certainty that I'm going to find the one. I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> I've just never really um, had like a fear about will I find them? It was never a big deal in my mind. I just kind of always knew it would happen and when when it happened for sure so it's not something that you were worried about was it something that you thought about you're like oh one day when i find the one we will do a b and c mm-hmm. that's an interesting question i mean for me the thought process was more a manifestation process because i actually i'm mm. lying a little bit because <laughs> there was a time about three years before i got into my first relationship mm-hmm. where i did this manifestation process if you'd like i can share it now yes please yeah. So it, it's the it's the best one I've found and it's one that I found that has worked for the most people. Sure. So what you basically do is you write down everything that you imagine this dream partner to be to a level of insanity where you could fill up two pages in a row. What you laugh about, what you do on the weekends versus what you do in the weekdays, um, what it feels like to be with them, everything. And then once you have that list, you cross out everything that isn't an absolute must. Or in other words, mm. you you could go without that. Because right. oftentimes we want this perfect dream person, but in <laughs> right. reality, of course, there's going to be, you think you're going to love everything about your partner? You're crazy. So you cross out everything that's not an absolute must. And then what you do, and this is my favorite part of the exercise. What you then do is you say, who do I have to become mm. to attract that person? Because right. a lot of people, if you ask, you know, would you date you? A lot of them <laughs> might say no. Or like, if you want to have this amazing man in your life or this amazing woman in your life, would they be with the current you? And this isn't a process to depreciate yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a process to look at the truth and realize that the law of vibration, the law of attraction is at work. That me right now, I'm not going to be able to attract a certain kind of woman. And right. me me five years ago wouldn't have attracted my past partner. It just wouldn't have. Right, right. Okay, so, and so anyways, so then you write down the whole list of who you have to become and then the same process, cross out everything that isn't an absolute must. And then basically the next step, the last step, is you write down everything that you also don't want in a partner. Because sometimes you can manifest everything you want, but there's a few things that you don't want and it ruins everything. Right. I I really like that process because I find a lot of my friends currently dating, but they don't really have a list of what they want. It's so weird that we approach romantic relationships differently in that way. If you have a job that you want, you will list out the things that are deal breakers and things that are not. 
And then you would mm. also think about how do I get that job? Like, what do I need to grow so that I can like <laughs> right. be ready for that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a lot of parallels between a relationship and, um, and business. And I'm curious to know your answer to um, mm-hmm. what would be the differences between business and relationship? The biggest thing is that we don't talk about it as often. So we are more blind walking into those relationships. When we think about careers, we can see it in role models that we have. But in terms of relationships, the only role model that I had growing up was the adults around me, right? And they weren't necessarily healthy relationships that I wanted to model myself after. Yes. And I, if I'm thinking about the vast majority of relationships, I mean, 50% of marriages end in divorce or mm-hmm. some some number close to that. So these are the kind of models that we're getting is conflict that leads to divorce yeah. or um, this disconnection at the end of things. And um, yeah, I agree with you on Romo's. And the other thing I would say is also that relationships, I mean, that's, that's a game of the heart way more than the mind where I find mm-hmm. businesses much more of a mind oriented activity right. and a lot of men I can speak cause I work with men. Right. So I can, mm-hmm. I can tell you that a lot of men have, a, they're super successful in the boardroom or in business right. cause they're very logical and oriented up here. But when it comes to opening up this little um, box of chocolates, <laughs> they, um, you know, Oh shit, you know, I don't want to go down there. Right. So um, that's another big difference I see. Right. I guess it's also, if we talk about attachment <laughs> styles, it, brings back a lot of emotional triggers that we may have. Whereas with business, it's not something that you did when you were a child. So it doesn't have all this attached experience Mm. with it. Mm, I guess a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the book. This is what I, I, it's not something that I personally would have picked up. Uh, So first off, why did you choose this book out of all the books that you could have talked about? I think for me, um, yeah, what, what I love about this book was similar to what I was sharing with you before the podcast, which is that Eckhart's teachings are essentially about working with our triggers mm-hmm. and choosing to go beyond them, more mm-hmm. or less. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's really the fundamental of a lot of teachings, by the way, the vast majority of spiritual teachings. Right. But I loved it because, first of all, it was my first awakening book. It was, he helped drive me in deep into myself and realize that there's a whole world in here. Like, oh shit, this feeling in my gut means something. But I love it because in relationships, triggers are the things that cause conflict. When the masculine feminine animal gets triggered, you know, when, when we get into this survival response, Mm -hmm. then we can't communicate like ourselves. You're a communication coach. You know that people communicate very differently when they feel angry or fearful or sad than when they're feeling joyful or connected or inspired or ecstatic. And so I'm big into this because I've learned that emotional regulation throughout the day, especially before communication, during communication, after someone communicates, if I get angry, I can leave the room for a second, but I got to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got I to gotta come back and finish that because I'm not going to abandon them kind of thing. Right. So learning to, to self-regulate to me is the essential base skill of growth and success and fulfillment and everything that all these fluffy words that people talk about it's really just okay i feel pain in this moment what does it mean how can i work with it so that i can come back to myself so that i can come back to love it's in relationship i really see it as a big game of consistently faced with the option do i choose love or fear 
one of the things that you were talking about there is the spiritual awakening. For someone who's never had a spiritual awakening, how would you explain that to them? Or is it something that you have to go through to understand? Um, definitely something you have to go through to understand. It's mm-hmm. like, um, what does a mango taste like if you've never tasted it? True. You know, you can't you try to describe the taste of a mango. It's, it's juicy. It's sweet, but it doesn't quite describe, like it doesn't quite tell what it is when you've experienced that taste of a fresh, juicy mango, you know, on a summer evening or something like that. Like it's, it's a different experience. So uh, I don't think everyone needs to think of spirituality as like some um, high elated state. What Mm -hmm. I've kind of learned that, and I chased enlightenment for some time. Like I chased this, I'm going to become free of all my shit, you know, and it's going to be this (laughs) beautiful moment. I'm going to walk on the clouds and not have a care in the world. Hasn't been my experience yet. I'll let you know if I ever do, but <laughs> it, um, I've learned that it's kind of like an every moment process and spirituality has nothing to do with beliefs in my opinion, but everything to do with how we live and how we treat people. For sure. And I kind of had the opposite journey as you. I've, mm. I have I went to university for chemistry, hard science, right? Where yes. we thought we were better than the soft sciences. <laughs> There's this <laughs> hierarchy in university, right? Where it's like yeah. chemistry is better than biology. Like there, there's a hierarchy there. So when I first got to Bali, that's where I really started um, experiencing other people who were living what I thought was like a very spiritual life. And to me, yes. that entailed a lot of people using scientific terms incorrectly it bothered me so much when people were talking about energy and I'm like that's not what the term means um Uh, and it took me a long time to soften (laughs) to this idea that yeah that there is this experience that because I was so identified with like being a scientist that I wasn't right. able to open myself up to. And it took me like three years to get there. <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. I get it after being hard sciences for so long. And I think that that touches on another really important point when it comes to communication, which is the spiritual people that you were talking to were telling you about energy and it just was triggering mm. you. They may have that some of them do- definitely don't, but some of them do have great things to say. And a person okay. can have something that is important or could help you but just based on the language they use it totally closed off your ability to receive that and i think that happens a lot in communication and relationship where i have an intention of what i want to share but because i don't know how to speak or how to be in my heart when i speak and get out of here it it comes out wrong and then and then that might cause a trigger and then we're just butting heads as opposed to me being able to like like knowing how to speak to your partner as well and knowing like maybe anger triggers them. So maybe I need to be in more of a soft state right now because I see where they're at. Yeah. I think it's also really about knowing who you're communicating to. I love the, the Tony Robbins quote. He says, you can't, you, you, the, for the first step to influencing, influencing someone is knowing what already influences them. Mm. And so seeing where your partner is at and knowing like what state they're in. Like if I see my partner's in angry, I'm probably not going to come back with anger because it's just going to, I want to catch her. I want to soften so that she can soften and then we can communicate from there. This relates to another concept in A New Earth. Uh, It talks about a new level of consciousness where the more people are that are on this level of consciousness, it's easier for other people to then join in. Simply put, when you're in joy, other people feel joy. When you're angry, Mm -hmm. other people get, you know, like it's um, to me, that's kind of simply put, that's kind of what he's saying. Right. That's how we change the world. 
when I first saw that quote, I was like, do you mean like we're all going to be telepathic and we're all going to be able to like <laughs> dig into something there? Um, so yeah, I, I think definitely for anyone who's reading this, you have to go in with an open mind and allow mm. yourself to be skeptical, but also allow yourself to go on the journey. One thing that I really enjoy about the book is it's not structured like a self-help book. It's not like do A and then you'll get to B and then you'll get to C. It's these right. ideas that you get to toss around in your head and yes. like it, it's like food. You get to Oh, digest. I love that. Yeah, it's a food. Oh, I love that analogy. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like a food. Like when I read Eckhart Tolle, like one one page can be like can take me like 20 minutes. For sure. You know, genuinely, just because I just read it and I just, it hits me and then I have to sit with it because it's like, whoa, <laughs> it's not, it's definitely not an analytical book. It's, no. um, yeah, a different type of book. But I wanted to come back to what you said about skepticism yeah. and having this healthy skepticism, but at the same time, opening yourself up. I think most people skeptic themselves out of their dreams. Mm. I think most people think about, they project what happened in the past into the future and think this is probably going to go wrong mm-hmm. or this could go wrong or could that really work? Is that really true? And I think a better question to ask is what if it could turn out better than you imagined, Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of a skeptic. And I think that is one of the fundamental ingredients of what's missing when people are trying to create anything, but for you here, a a great relationship. What if it, what if this relationship could turn out way better than I imagined? What if it didn't have to be like mom and dad? What if it didn't have to be like my past relationship? What if it could be loving and safe and there could be trust and there could be passion. There could be aliveness. What it could have, what if it could have all those ingredients? You know, I think that's a better question than, you know, we spend so much time analyzing we do. and um, not enough time. Just like, okay, let's go do it. Let's give it a shot. One of the troubles that I have with this book is that I, in the moment when I'm reading it, when I'm listening to the audiobook, I'm like, yes. This is amazing. I'm connecting with this. But when I go back out into the real world, all those triggers are so much more present and I may not be as present in those moments. How do you take those small instances of consciousness and expand that into the rest of your life, especially in a relationship? (laughs) Tell us your secret. (laughs) That's such a good question. I've never heard that question and I love that question. It's something that I've thought of before. Um, it reminds me of the Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's when the real shit comes up. Um, so, you know, game on. How do we expand that moment, that moment of awareness into the rest of our lives? I think the first thing that comes to me that I can say is a mistake that I've made with this Mm -hmm. is I've had that instant moment of awareness and because it's like an, it's usually a new feeling, right? It's a new awareness. It's an expanded, it's outside of our comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. That's why people get stuck in their belief systems and people are skeptical because it's scary to jump into the unfamiliar because sure. it, it's, it, you know, our beliefs create this fake illusion of solidity. Right. And what I would do is because my comfort zone was here and this new belief or awareness was out here, that would be scary. And so I would kind of jump back into the turtle shell Oop. Mm-hmm. after, after, say two minutes of feeling this nice feeling. But what I could have done and I would invite people to do if they want to expand that is to expand that two minutes to 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and consciously push themselves to stay in that feeling longer. And it's the same, by the way, when you face any fear in relationship or in your life, Mm -hmm. it's just allowing that feeling to be there as you do the thing 
mm-hmm. and just pushing yourself a little bit longer, just like in the gym, a little right. bit longer this day, a little bit longer next week. And all of a sudden it becomes something really familiar for your nervous system. You're no longer in this, you know, fight, fleet or freeze response. You're actually mm-hmm. able to be yourself. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say for how to expand it is literally just practice expanding it when they come up. So what does that look like uh, in, in your own experience? I mean, everyone is going to be doing this a little bit differently. Does that mean you are meditating? Does that mean when something triggering comes up, you have to be like, wait, let me get into this mm. state before mm. I engage? Okay. Um, I'll start here with a trigger. So say you have a trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time you get triggered, there's a belief behind it, right? Mm-hmm. It's the meaning that creates the emotion you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. So our work is to pause and breathe first Mm -hmm. because there's this nerve that goes from your brain down through all your major organs. It's called the vagus nerve, the largest nerve in your body. And what I learned was that 80% of the signals on this nerve go from the body to the brain and only 20% from the brain to the body. And so what that taught me was that, wow, my body has a a more profound impact on my state than my brain. And so changing the body first is the way, in my opinion. So in a trigger, you want to stop and breathe and relax your nervous system first with a a slow breath, like in through the nose, five seconds, out through the the nose or the mouth, five, six seconds, something simple. And then once you have that clarity or that space, then asking, you know, what's what's the meaning of this? Or if if you're just really charged, um, what could I appreciate about this? What's great about this? Just to kind of remove that charger. Right. What's a nicer word I could use? Like instead of she's such a fucking bitch, I could say, um, oh, wow, I feel I feel quite upset right now. Mm-hmm. And just that change of the word will create a biochemical shift and will give you more and more space. The goal is to be at a place where you can have enough space, decrease the charge enough where you can actually find the meaning. And then once you find the meaning while you're angry and you qu- inquire with it, is this re- is it really true that she's trying to hurt me? Is it really yeah. true that my life's over? Is it really true that I'm not enough? And it, oh, wait, it can't absolutely be true. And you start to realize, you know, where you are believing thoughts that aren't even true. And then you've just taken your power back. And in that moment, that's when change happens. That makes a lot of sense in terms of the, the pain, the triggers, and being able to kind of backtrack it using your logic to see if this is something that you should actually be angry about. And if that anger is serving you. A thousand percent. I, I see, I see you're very logical with your thinking processes. <laughs> I am a very logical person and every, everything I, I need to have a plan. And I think what you were talking about there with having like just one action plan, when we are at that elevated state of anger or sadness, it's hard to think about what you should do next. You're like, I know I should be conscious, but how do I get there right now? So having one plan, if it's the breathing, if it's like the five seconds in and out, decide exactly how many seconds it is. So you don't have to use your brain in that moment. Yeah. I think it's amazing to be prepared. I I, I love that. Someone wants a quick three-step formula. If you really need it, think of um, breath, belief, level up. So that's your three steps. Breath, believe, level up. BBL. So breath, relax yourself. <laughs> belief, find the belief that you're believing that's causing the emotion. Then L, level up, is now decide how you'd like to demonstrate yourself. We're, this is the plane of demonstration, says Neil Donald Walsh. This is what we're here to do. We're, we're supposed to demonstrate. We're here to demonstrate who we are so that we can inspire others to do the same. So how would you like to demonstrate mm. yourself? Mm. And then 
that's just three steps. Breathe, belief, level up. And there you can do it. Beautiful. Sorry, just to explain my giggle there, BBL is also Brazilian butt lift. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I had a giggle in there. I I should be careful with these BBLs. Wonderful advice. It's my, my so my, my name's Brett Bailey, and so I use these BBs a lot because it's kind of like ah, on brand, right? Right. And um, but I got to be careful because there's some porn titles as well that have these BBs in there, and so gotta I, I check. people might get turned the other way. <laughs> some might like memorable. it. Some might like it too. <laughs> yeah, it's memorable. It works. Um, okay. <laughs> so, were there any other concepts that uh, jumped out at you that you wanted to talk about relating to relationship? thousand percent um so there's this one Eckhart Tolle quote that I love which is that love is not does not come from another person Mm. it's something that emanates from deep within your being Mm. and we get caught in the trap thinking that the anger I feel is caused by them I Mm. feel so loved right now it's caused by them but that's not true what's really happening is when they touch you a certain way when they kiss you in just the right spot when you have sex which is often the case for men it takes sex to feel really love Mm -hmm. uh, loved and love and love someone else where women, it's more about feeling or an emotional connection first. Where men, it takes the physical to get to the emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, yeah, like this, I love that quote because it reminds us that love is actually always accessible. It's always within me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to play the game of outside in. I have to get her to change so I can feel loved. Or I have to beat yes. somebody else so that she will love me and I can finally get that feeling. It's no, no, no. It's already inside of you. You have to clear away what's in the way of love. Naval Ravikan, he says something like, love is what remains when all the emotions have passed through. Mm. You know, so that's why I love that quote. That reflects a lot of our lives. We're constantly chasing the next high, whether it be another person or the new PlayStation or it's always something. And I've seen people who've reached success levels um, that everybody else admires, but they still are chasing. They still feel like it's not enough. And knowing that you should be looking internally instead can completely Mm. change that journey. Oh, it is like the change of life, in my opinion. It is. It's a. It's a whole different paradigm to be living from the inside out Mm -hmm. than the outside in. And it's very. It's a lot of responsibility because you have to admit that. I'm the one that's responsible mm-hmm. for my feelings. I'm the one that's responsible for my relationships. But <laughs> what Paul Check is, he's a, Paul Check's a bit of a savage for any of you who don't know him. But um, he's like, he's like, adults take responsibility, children blame. So, you know, like Very to be re- to be to be an adult, you have to be responsible for your feelings. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and um, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of power in that, right? Like you are in control of your own happiness. You don't need to let other people make you feel a certain way 100 percent. and if they do then we can find the belief that's causing that and then we can work with it enough so we can come back and again play the inside out game so in terms of your partner let's say that you have reached this level of consciousness you're able to be more aware does your partner not having that same level of consciousness would that I don't know, detract from the relationship? Is that something on your manifestation list where you're like, I want someone who is conscious as well? Yeah, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I even think of it, because I know you're a logical woman. <laughs> I, even, I even think of it on a, on a level of frequency or mathematics in a mm-hmm. sense. 
we we are vibrations. So if we're these vibrations, that means we have a frequency. Okay. And so frequency carries energy. All frequency does. Emotion is energy in motion. And so if I'm vibrating a certain emotional frequency mm-hmm. and someone is vibrating at a lower emotional frequency, there's going to be conflict. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, when we're vibrating at the same frequency, there's going to be a match. Our okay. thoughts and emotions create frequency. And when those are vibrating very similarly or the same, there can be a match. But when it's like up here and down here, there's dissonance, there's there's um, incoherence, there's imbalance. And I think that one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to be in a relationship, but it's going to be just conflict mm-hmm. um, for a, a number of reasons in both people's psychology of why that relationship would stay, even though it's not the right fit. I'm sure you know many mm-hmm. oh. why people stay in relationships <laughs> way too long. <laughs> but then the other thing is they just, they leave and they fall apart. I think everybody, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't want to have someone who's less conscious than them. I doubt that would be on anyone's vision board. I hope I have a woman or man who's less conscious. <laughs> if you are conscious, I think there is, you're not going to be exactly on the same level. You can kind of bring each other into a new level. It's growing in relationships, mm. right? If you mm. have a strength and you're sharing it with your partner, you're able to bring them up. But if there's too much of a difference, that can cause a lot of insecurities and yes. Just a lot of strain on one, if not both, the partners. Yeah, it's just not as great as it could be. And there's billions of people in the world that we that we will vibe with and do vibe with. And I think one of the biggest limiting beliefs for single people is that, you know, all the good ones are gone or I'm never <laughs> going to find them. Or there's right. these, all these beliefs that we have about why they won't find them. But there's billions of people in the world, even if like for the opposite sex or whatever. And um, there's millions of people that you are could see as potential partners to be more realistic. Um, definitely thousands. And I believe like as far as soulmate vibes, this is now getting into my personal belief system. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely, I, I like the idea of soulmates and twin flames and mm-hmm. I, have, I have no evidence that it's not true. Right. Um, yet at the same time, logically, I do believe that there are many partners for everybody. Right. And that relationship is less about the stars aligning and more about having a shared vision, shared values in the same lifestyle gonna jump in there about the soulmates thing i i'd like to believe <laughs> your logical side as well because i think it's very difficult to believe that out of the however many timelines that we have and the span of time itself that we would be on the same continent speak the same language with our soulmate and I, I find it so much more romantic to think that there are so many people out there for you and different parts of your life. That person may be your soulmate, but as you grow and change and as other people grow and change, you grow into each other and you find each other and you choose each other. Yeah, it's very romantic, the idea of choosing them, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And you were talking about dating someone who's conscious. How do you find someone conscious to begin with? Are they on Tinder? No. <laughs> no, they are not. They are not. And I've been on Tinder. I've mm-hmm. um, so this is kind of a vulnerable share for me. But I, I've so I've been out of a relationship now for three months, and I went on Tinder in the last three months. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a shot, see what it's like. It's been yeah. years since I've used the app, probably three years. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I had no resonance with it. I had none. Right. And I and I bet you that even other women on there didn't have resonance with me. And it just it just was like oof. It didn't feel good, so I've deleted the apps. Mm-hmm. And and then lo and behold, I take one trip to a city and I meet a woman on the bus who's conscious. And we have a go on, you know, we have an, a nice time. It wasn't really a date, but it was like it, I could have pushed it to that level. What mm-hmm. I'm trying to say is that 
I'm not a huge believer in dating apps for conscious mm-hmm. people. And I think the best way to meet conscious people is at an event because mm-hmm. conscious people usually care about in-person connection in my experience. Mm-hmm. They care about vibrations in person and things of that nature. That's probably a gross generalization. That's not true. Mm-hmm. But in my personal experience, just like you're in Bali, you're an amazing place to meet a man. If that's what you're right. If that's what you're man, is, is that what you're manifesting? May I ask? No, no, I have, I'm in a very happy relationship. <laughs> oh, you're in a relationship. I okay, am great. in a relationship. Yes. Oh, great. Great. And he's in Bali. Yes, he is. Okay, great. Well, if you were single and for anyone mm-hmm. who's single, I was in Bali. Um, I'm not sure if you knew I was in Bali for 14 months, a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So you know yeah, that yeah. that's where I met my partner. And there's also lots of conscious women there, parts of the world, but go to events. If you're someone who's looking for a conscious relationship, go to breathwork events, cacao ceremonies. Um, <laughs> so going back to the formula that I was sharing before about writing down the list of who you want and who you have to become. Mm-hmm. The last part of the, the exercise that I didn't share was forget about them and just focus on becoming that person and forget about ma- trying to like manifest them. I'm going to like, like don't walk out with like your eyes wide open. I'm going to look for them today. Just do, do you. And in my experience, these relationship is a thing that seems to flow. It's not like a mental concoction that you, you know, methodically get to. It's just like mm. you run into them at a coffee shop or you run into them at an event or you see them and you muster up the courage to ask them out. And then that's when it happens. Right. That's my two cents. Not everyone's going to agree with it, but that's how I feel about I, it. I would agree with you. I think that the relationships that I've seen blossom are the ones where people are present in the moment, right? Like they are enjoying themselves and they find someone else who's enjoying themselves. They're not on their phones. Mm, I love that. They're not like thinking about what am I going to do next? What party am I going to go to next? They're here. And yeah. you. those are the people that you want to interact with naturally, whether it be a friendship that comes out of it or something romantic. You need that person because like, I don't know, two years down the line, you're having dinner. You don't want someone who's going to be doing those things, thinking about what you're going to be doing next. What are you eating next? Right. You want them to be here in a conversation with you. Yeah, a thousand percent. And and also, like you said, like you could meet a friend. You could right. meet an intimate relationship. And I would also go far to say is you may meet somebody and have one great experience and then never talk to them again. I've had that. Or you might meet them and then it's kind of okay and then it just fizzles away. I think the point is, is to get that yourself out there because to think that you're just going to go when you're going to, the first person you meet is going to be <laughs> your soulmate, and, like the stars are going to align and whatever right. is um, probably not a helpful belief to have because in the reality, it seems that there's, you know, I'm not sure. I'm curious to know your perspective on this because mm-hmm. you've been through a few relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that prior relationships, they're one of their primary roles and one of the beauties of them is that they prepare us for who we're meant to be with? The meant to be with, I don't believe in, but the rest of your statement, definitely. I think yes. I've had pretty good luck with all my previous relationships. Um, they were all genuinely beautiful, kind mm. people who wanted the best for me. And when we parted ways, it was because it wasn't working anymore, but it didn't take away from the relationship that we had. So I, I like to... <laughs> say that I trained all my previous boyfriends to become better partners and they are with <laughs> there with now because they were able to learn. Um, is, is, is that the role that you, that you unconsciously are playing like the savior or the, the, the teacher? Definitely. I'm going to go fix them. 
I definitely. When I was younger, I was like, oh, you're so broken. Like, let me come in and <laughs> yes. like give you all this emotional energy. And then I, I learned from those experiences that yes, that is not <laughs> helpful for them or for myself. And you need to start yes. turning inward. And that's when I started finding dating success. Definitely. I believe it. And I love that. Thank you for your honesty. And if I may ask, in, yes. in every hero story, when there's a hero, that means there's also a victim and a villain. So they, they were probably the victim. Who was the villain in the story? It ended up being me a lot of times towards the end because I could no longer save them and be the person that I was yes. at the beginning of the relationship. I did not want that burden anymore. And yes. it had to end. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. And initially when they, like, who is the initial villain for them? Which Why, why do they need saving in the first place? I think, was it their dad? Was it their mother? I, I don't know that we got into the depths of it, but I think it's a lot of fear of being alone, a fear of not being understood, which is a lot of us deal with yes. on a day to day. You, you want to be understood as a human. You want to connect with other people. So they were people that maybe were hiding pieces of themselves. And I, I like to think that I'm a very empathetic person who... Yeah like allows people to feel like they can open up and be vulnerable. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I would, I don't know that necessarily there was a single person who was their original villain, um, but maybe yeah. themselves. <laughs> yeah, it could, could totally be themselves. And I ask because this is something I've personally gone through mm -hmm. where I was similar in that <laughs> I've noticed this very recently, actually, as I've been reflecting. One yeah. of the beauties of breakups, by the way, is it can take us so deep into our shadows and mm -hmm. triggers and truly one of the gifts. And what I realized is that is the same thing I just asked you, which is I noticed that I've attracted a certain type of woman mm -hmm. who has had daddy issues. Mm. And, I, and I've kind of had this intuition or this kind of noob idea thing that I'm kind of believing, which is that I've done it. I, I've wanted to come in and save them, first of all, to boost my ego because I didn't feel enough as I am. I felt like that was mm -hmm. where my identity or worth came from was being mm -hmm. a savior or a hero because mm -hmm. I didn't feel enough on my own. But then secondly, because of it, it was their father, I think there was this unconscious belief that men are bad and they hurt women and I need to come save them, which is what happened with my parents. Dad leaves, my mom's there taking care of us. And I think I took on some of that and was like, men are, and I think I got her story and her beliefs. If she didn't even say it verbally, I know unconsciously us kids take that on so much. Sure. And so I think I developed the belief that that um, men are bad and that women need to be saved. And so in my relationships, even the woman I was talking about that I met on the bus, yeah. it was the same woman. And that's why I didn't actually take it any further was because I was like, okay, I'm noticing exactly who this is. She has the daddy issues. She, um, I, I'm feeling like I need to save her. Uh, and this is just not a healthy thing. And so yeah. it's so, it was so cool for me because it showed me the depth and the layers of what you initially brought up, which was our role models mm -hmm. and just how much that early dynamic, like it's, it's what we learn from. It's our parents. Like it's, okay. there's other role models. Yes. As we grow up to nine, 10, 11 years old and beyond, but for the vast majority of people, it's really just their mom and dad when they're very young. And that's what you see constantly getting lived out in people's lives. So when you were saying that you were saving these women, were you trying to prove like not all men are bad? Like here's yes. me being what men should be. 
Yes, definitely. That's definitely part of that sort of ego trip, which I would certainly call that some kind of ego trip. And in some ways, I take pride in that genuinely because there's there's good in that as well. Like in general, I want to be an example for people, like not just in relationship, but in health to be young and doing this. And one of them is I think I'm a very great example of healthy masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing, but I can tell you that it didn't come from that great of a place. There was certainly some ego in there. And I think even more than that, first of all, looks at someone and says, you need to be saved. Mm-hmm. I'm already coming from a superior place right. with the assumption that they need to be saved. And not only do they need to be saved, they need to be saved by me <laughs> because I'm the one that's going to come do it. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of ego there. Going back to Eckhart Tolle's book, that's yeah. what he talks about. And so that's that's kind of what I've realized pretty recently that I've been doing unconsciously and kind of undoing some of right. these narcissistic, egotistical things. Right. So getting back into like the integration of that. So it sounds like in your process, the first is the awakening, realizing like, hey, this is something that I do unconsciously. I'm realizing that there's a pattern here. And then mm-hmm. it's consciously saying like, okay, I see this person is bringing these elements out in myself, this hero complex. I am going to not pursue this romantic relationship because of that. Are there any other things that you're doing to try to undo this ego complex that you have? What What's beneath what you just said of becoming uh, aware of that old pattern and choosing a different pattern? Mm-hmm. What's beneath that is choosing to live from love and not fear. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the fundamental choice that we're always making. Am I living from my higher self or my lower self? Mm-hmm. Am I living from love or am I living from fear? And so in that situation with that woman, I the fear would be like, yeah, I go with her because I'm afraid of being alone or mm-hmm. I'm afraid of not being enough and I need this to feel enough. So it's about fear or no, I'm good enough as I am. I don't need to pursue this. I don't mm. need this extra to make me feel good enough. I'm choosing love, choosing in that moment, choosing love for myself, picking a higher thing. So I just want to highlight that because I think it's important. Um, for sure, just becoming aware of it in the moment and seeing it as ego, as inflation is really a lot of the work mm-hmm. and just being and being, you know, and part of that is being willing to see the truth because it's not fun for me to admit that there's some narcissism in me or that there's some egotistical behaviors over here. It's not, it doesn't feel good to look at that and say that that's, that's me. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, or in the sense of like, that's a part of me mm-hmm. that doesn't feel good. So I think part of being able to do that is being willing to see the truth. Robert Moore in his book, King Warrior Magician Lover, he talks about how one of the key moments in a man's journey going from a boy to a man is going from selfish to selfless. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I found the last three, four months, it's been a huge switch from thinking selfishly to thinking selflessly. And not that I didn't think of people before, but to a level of depth that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Like to a level of, I really don't have attachment to anything I get in return. I just want to help you. I see you. I feel you. I feel so much compassion for you and I want to help. Coming from that place, that's true, not from um, I want to help you so that you can help me kind of thing. Right. So making that switch to being selfless, selfless and luckily I run a business and I believe that work is one of the most amazing ways that we can express selflessness mm-hmm. and contribution. And by the way, we're talking about relationships. What what better way to to learn how to be selfless than in a relationship? Find some training ground to be selfless. When you get beyond the mind, when you are selfless, the egotistical tendencies seem to go away because giving truly from our hearts feels better than any ego desire we could ever get. 
And I, I think that you're right. In a relationship, you do have to have that selflessness. But I think we can also train ourselves before that. So have you had any experiences mm. where like you weren't in a relationship and you were still practicing being selfless that much? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to me to to the same qu- question at the, the beginning, that formula about who do I need to become? Mm. Um, there's a whole training ground before you get into a relationship. And, um, and, you know, I heard this from Preston Smiles or Garen Jones recently. They say, you know, life lifes you. And um, life is the best training because you're going to have all, you're going to meet someone at the grocery store who yells at you in line, right. or you're going to have someone cut you off in traffic and you're going to have anger come up. And that's your time to, because if you can't handle the guy in traffic, you're not going to be able to handle <laughs> an intimate relationship. Definitely I can promise not. you. That, so yeah, there's definitely a training ground that life will give us. That reminds me, I was driving down a road in Bali and there was someone who was driving in the middle of the road, two people on the bike going so slow and I was getting so upset and I had a moment of consciousness there where I was like wait who knows what is happening what if these two people are on a date and they have to separate but they are trying to have as much time together as possible that's why they're driving so slow (laughs) like I I when I had that imagination like that creative thought I started tearing up. I'm like, it's so cute. They're so adorable. <laughs> as slowly as possible. Right. And yes. I think that openness to what other people are um, like going through. And if you are conscious, you can bring that energy to someone else's life and you not honking at someone else will make their day a little bit better. And yeah, it spreads. I, I couldn't love that story more. It's a hilariously awesome story. And and the, the cool part is that y- they could have actually been assholes and cut you off. Yeah. But they also could have been the scenario that you imagined. Yeah. And so this comes back to we always have a choice of our inner mm-hmm. world. It's not the outer world that creates our feelings. It's our inner world. And you do this right. little visualization process and you feel great. Or you yeah. could just sit with the belief that they want to hurt. They're, you know, they don't, <laughs> they're assholes or they're selfish right. or whatever the, the belief may be. And um, Wayne, Wayne Dyer has one of my favorite quotes about this. He says, um, if you step on a rose, it's going to release this little scent. Mm-hmm. And he says, like the, ro- like, the scent is what the rose leaves you when, you get, when it gets stepped on. So it's like mm-hmm. getting stepped on and still giving compassion. Being able to get, have someone get angry at you and be unfair and unjust to you. And be not a great person, not, not demonstrate greatness to you, towards you, hurt you. And to still be able to give them compassion. I can't think of a, a more powerful thing thing than that is to be able to to have someone come at you with all this negativity and give them love in return and and then what and by the way what a hack for being in a relationship and communication (laughs) and to wrap up who would you recommend this book to someone who lacks clarity Mm -hmm. someone who who has read personal development books or is very logical and wants a next level opportunity Mm -hmm. or experience and if they do i invite them to read the book with their body and not their mind Mm -hmm. um I think that this is like an intermediate level of awakening. I'd say Mm. if you are still new to the journey, do power of now first. It was like one concept, whereas Mm. this one, I feel like it covered a lot more and it deals a lot more with the ego, which I find personally more difficult to separate myself with being present. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And also for anyone who truly wants to, you're not going to um you're likely not going to have a spiritual experience reading a book 
If you really want to dive into your spirituality, you're going to need a direct felt experience. That's where the magic happens. So for anyone, join a breathwork session or um, mm. do um, do some mushrooms or some ayahuasca <laughs> or a deep, deep meditation. Right. Uh, or do what makes you feel most alive. You can have an experience there. But to actually have a spiritual experience, you're going to have to have something right. direct and felt. Yeah. Right. And just because you were talking about like those new experiences, putting yourself in a different position, even if you're just on a vacation where you're not in your normal everyday habit, I think that that mm. in itself being in a different location um, could help open you up a little bit more. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Who would you not recommend this for? <laughs> um, I would recommend, um, I would, <laughs> I would recommend this not for somebody who's read it maybe uh, like a lot or has depth in spirituality for that person I might recommend more somatic healing work or mm -hmm. more depth into neuroscience or something like that. Um, also for somebody who doesn't want more joy or happiness <laughs> or somebody who, who doesn't want more awareness in their life or someone who wants to stay not feeling clear. Um, that's who I would not recommend it for. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I, and I do think that this is one of those books that you need to return to over and over every Thousand time percent. you read it, you pick up something new from it. Um, personally, in terms of who I would not recommend this for is maybe Erica of three, four years ago, who uh. was still getting very triggered by the use of certain words and mm. maybe soften yourself to a space where you're more accepting first. Um, and then you'll be able to reap the rewards of reading this book. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, excellent. Okay. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. It was a fun conversation. Yeah. And um, for anyone who's looking for love out there, know that there is somebody out there genuinely. So please, if you don't believe that, receive that. There's genuinely somebody out there who you could be extremely happy with. And your job is to become who you can become. And love yourself enough to attract an equal opposite. So sending everyone out there on that journey a lot of love. Uh, for anyone who is looking for Brett, you can find him on Instagram at Brett Bailey. Uh, that's Brett with two T's and two A's. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode, you know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe. If you'd like to reach out to me, Erica Ng, for whatever reason, you can do so through email at selfhelpjunkiepod at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter with the handle selfhelpjunkiepod. See you guys next time. Bye!